San Francisco, July 1999. 21 friends gather at a coffee shop and accidentally create something that will change their lives and the literary world. You don't need to worry. This is not an episode about the genesis of a social network. Well, not really. At the invitation of their ringleader, Chris Beatty, each member of the group pulls out a laptop or an old-fashioned notepad and a pen, and they get to work. They aren't setting out to change the world, but to invent new worlds. With books. They were writing books. But this wasn't your typical writer's group. They weren't critiquing each other's work, lamenting the red tape of the agent querying process, or even thinking about publication at all. They were just writing for the fun of it. They invented games and challenged each other. First person to hit 500 words gets a latte, that kind of thing. And at the end of an admittedly tiring month, they had the first drafts of 21 novels. The project was so much fun that they did it again the next year and invited more friends to join them. And boy, did they. When the group swelled to 150 members, Beatty thought for sure that it had topped out. But you know how it goes. The fun was just beginning. Hello and welcome to Annotated. I'm Jeff O'Neill. And I'm Rebecca Shinsky. On today's episode, a look at the origin and impact of one of the modern book world's signature events, National Novel Writing Month. Today's episode is brought to you by National Geographic Books. The Cave is the incredible memoir of Imani Balur, a young doctor and activist who ran an underground hospital in Damascus, humanizing the enduring crisis in Syria. The only woman to have ever run a wartime hospital in Syria, she saved many from the atrocities of war while having to face the patriarchal conservatism around her. Amani Balor is a game changer. Listen, she will be remembered as one of history's greatest. She's a passionately committed humanitarian, and she is determined to help others escape the horrors that she survived. Make sure to pick up the memoir, The Cave by Amani Balor and Rania Abuzaid for a memoir that expands on the 2019 Oscar nominated film by the same name, which documents her experience running the hospital, shielding children from horrific sarin attack, losing colleagues, trying to employ more women in the hospital, and eventually leaving and becoming a refugee. So make sure to read about this amazing woman. And thanks again to National Geographic Books for sponsoring this episode. If you've been on the literary internet for even one full year, chances are good you've heard of National Novel Writing Month, NaNoWriMo for short. But just in case, here's the quick and dirty. Taking place every November, it was moved from July a few years in because people found it easier to participate in the winter. NaNoWriMo is a month-long challenge in which you commit to writing a 50,000-word novel in 30 days. Participants track their word counts using interactive tools on the NaNoWriMo website, And at the end of the month, they upload their full text in order to prove they hit the 50K mark and claim their win. Along the way, they have the option to earn badges. NaNoWriMo has been gamified since before that was even a buzzword. Join online communities and even attend local in-person meetups with fellow NaNo participants to find encouragement and community. Writing doesn't have to be solitary. Uh, It also doesn't have to be full of anguish, although it inherently is. There are ways to get beyond that anguish. This is Grant Faulkner, the executive director of NaNoWriMo, explaining that fun, connection, and creative exploration have been at the heart of the event since day one. Chris Beatty, he literally kind of woke up one day and said, I want to write a novel. And, you know, he was an avid reader, and he was into punk rock music, so he had that kind of DIY mindset. And he's very community-focused and socially focused, and so he invited 20 of his friends to join him to write a novel. As the group met up after work and on the weekends, they became invested in each other's success. So if somebody didn't show up, they might get a phone call and say, hey, you're still doing it. You know, like, why don't you come back tomorrow night? You can can still do it. You can still reach your word count goals. It's worth noting here that in NaNoWriMo terms, participants who finish the 50,000 word challenge are called winners 
But those who don't aren't losers. 50,000 words is what the startup world would call a big, hairy goal. It's so big, in fact, that only about 15% of participants each year win NaNoWriMo. But if it were easy, it wouldn't be so compelling, and writers wouldn't need a month-long challenge to try it. This framework of setting a huge, ambitious goal and having a deadline, we say a goal and deadline is the creative midwife, and that's always been the kind of foundation, the empowering foundation of NaNoWriMo. We think of ourselves as an empowerment organization as much as we are a creative writing organization. Okay, so you've got a challenging but not impossible goal, a built-in sense of community and accountability, and no downside, since even if you don't win, you've still spent a month focusing on a creative pursuit and maybe making some friends along the way. A lot of friends. About half a million people participated in NaNoWriMo programming in 2018. A lot has happened in the decades since Chris Beatty and 20 of his friends first started noveling, as they called it, in that San Francisco coffee shop. As NaNoWriMo entered its third year in November 2001, Beatty was looking for a way to get organized. Anticipating the same 150-ish participants from the previous year, he created a small website for people to sign up and track their progress. If you build it, they will come. And if you build it on the internet in the early days of blogging, 5,000 of them will come, and they'll crash your brand new website repeatedly. That's exactly what happened. NaNoWriMo 750% growth between the first and second years, which is huge growth, let's remember that, looked like small potatoes compared to the more than 3,000% increase between years two and three. From 20 people in year one to 150 in year two to 5,000 in year three, and more than 500,000 last year in year 19. NaNoWriMo is, if not exactly viral, an undeniable sensation. And all this growth, it didn't come from advertising. They earned it the old-fashioned way, word of mouth. So when I was thinking about writing a book, I first signed up for a writing class, a children's book writing class. And during that class, National Novel Writing Month was sort of mentioned by my teacher. And she said, you know, this is a great thing to do. You can try it. And I was taking the class in the fall and NaNoWriMo starts in November, November 1st. So I was researching it and then I signed up and then I told my husband and he thought I was totally nuts. This is best-selling middle grade author Karina Jan Glaser, who first participated in NaNoWriMo in 2013. Her husband's response was perhaps more common than you'd expect even from nano participants themselves. And here's Jasmine Guillory, who wrote the first draft of her best-selling novel, The Wedding Date, during a nano event. So I've actually known about NaNoWriMo for years, just through, like, internet osmosis, I think. But I had never really seriously considered doing it. I think partly because it seemed, like, it seemed wild. Like, it seemed too much. How could any person do that? Seriously, 50,000 words in 30 days is 1,667 words per day. How do people do it? Well, there's a solid history of famous writers who did basically the same thing. By setting an ambitious goal and a deadline, and, and not only that, like many writers in history have written in this way. Like Stephen King writes 2,000 words a day. William Faulkner wrote 3,000 words a day. John Updike set a target of 1,200 words a day. You know, I mean, and Hemingway counted his words. There's just like a rich history of writers needing to set a goal and a deadline in order to write a novel because a novel is such an arduous task. Coffee and a little pressure don't hurt either. For Karina, routine was key. At the time of her first NaNoWriMo, her daughters were in kindergarten and preschool attending three days a week for a couple hours. It didn't make sense to drop them off and go all the way home on the subway just to turn back around and pick them up. 
So I would drop her off and then I would run to this coffee bean that was a few blocks away. And in the basement, there was always seats down in the basement, and which is really difficult in New York City where every coffee shop is just filled with people. So down in the basement, it was really hot in that basement. So I think that's why no one sat down there. It was really hot and it just had this like weird smell, but I could always get a seat. So I would run to that coffee bean, go downstairs, sit down, and then just write during that time. For two hours, she'd write as fast as she could. And if she didn't make the word count, she would return to it in the evening after the kids went to bed. Jasmine's approach was a bit less structured, but no less effective. You know, thinking back on it, I don't really understand how I did because that was actually a very busy time in my life. I was working two jobs, like one full-time job and one part-time job. Um, But then, but I just sort of like committed myself to doing it. And so I did it. So I would bring my laptop to work. At lunchtime, I would go to the Starbucks across the street and write for like 30 to 45 minutes. There were days she would hit the word count, days she didn't. And days she played catch-up, writing several thousand words on a Saturday. And therein lies some of the beauty of NaNoWriMo. It tells you what you're supposed to do, write 50,000 words of a novel in 30 days, but it doesn't tell you how. The mix of structure and flexibility is intentional, and it's integral to the NaNoWriMo philosophy. It's all about the act of doing it, and I think too many people put obstacles in between themselves and their goals. And in writing a novel, for instance, people... You know, obviously, there's there's a lot of obstacles in terms of your own self-perception and confidence and doubt that you're working through. But there's also that thing where people think, oh, I need to sign up for a course in order to learn to write a novel, or I need to buy a, a how to write a novel book. I still think the best way to learn to write a novel is through the experience of writing it. You know, just do it. And don't discount the power of momentum. Here's Jasmine again. The momentum, it's not a thing that's going to work for everyone, but I really learned that it's something that works for me a lot. When I'm working on a first draft, I try very hard to work on it every day. Not because, you know, I've heard people say, like, to be a real writer, you have to write every day. Like, that's, I don't believe in that. But for me, it's important to me, for me to write every day because it helps, and it, it helps keep that momentum going. In the quest for 50,000 words, NaNoWriMo encourages participants to focus on output and not delete anything. Don't overthink it. Don't second-guess yourself. Don't give yourself any reason not to do the thing. Just keep swimming. But that doesn't mean that, as a surprising number of internet naysayers would have you believe, they think your first 50,000 words would be publishable. We're not prescriptive about our creative process. We very strenuously recommend that people revise their novels and take time with their novels to finish them and polish them. And we have programs that support that as well. Whether you use NaNoWriMo's revision tools or roll your own, our authors agree it's a key part of the process. Here's Karina. I visit a lot of schools these days and talk to kids, and they always ask me what I would suggest that they do if they're trying to write a book. And I think that's What I generally always say is talk to them about writing a fast first draft and then committing yourself to revisions. Even though I wrote that first book really quickly, it took me about two years of revision and sending it to agents before it got acquired by an agent and then acquired by an editor. And while Jasmine won her first nano meeting the 50,000 word goal, The wedding date wasn't yet complete. She still had to finish the draft, then revise it, find an agent, revise it again with the agent, get a book deal, and of course, revise again with her editor. If that sounds like a lot of work, it is. The good news is, though, you don't have to want to be published to participate in NaNoWriMo. 
We are speaking to people who don't necessarily professionalize the writing experience. It's a great thing if people want to get together with their friends and write novels together just for the fun of it. I, I always say that we don't go up to knitters and say, oh, you're knitting a sweater. Are you going to open up a sweater store? <laughs> you know, oh, you're taking a, a, a ballroom dancing class. Are you going to go on the professional ballroom dancing circuit? You know, NaNoWriMo's focus has always been on creativity for creativity's sake. Life is busy, and we don't take enough time to play, to have fun, to explore ideas, to make stuff just because it feels good to make stuff. Trying to write 50,000 words in 30 days probably won't help with the busyness problem, but it's busyness with a lot of benefits. We think that when people are creative and see themselves as, as creative, as creators, they're going to do more good in the world. They're going to put their voice in the world in a number of different ways. More creativity in the world is a good thing for the world. More people developing the confidence to explore and share their ideas is a good thing for all people. But sometimes the benefits of creative work are more individual and more internal. Here's Book Riot's own Annika Baranti Klein on her most recent nano experience. My personal reason was very specific. My dad had died two weeks before Camp NaNoWriMo started. And I didn't want to work on anything that I had been working on when he died. Before you get all excited that there's a NaNoWriMo camp you can attend, we should tell you that 50K in 30 days in November isn't the only way to nano. Camp NaNoWriMo is a virtual writing retreat that takes place twice a year in April and July and offers more flexibility. In Camp NaNoWriMo, you can set any word count or page count goal. You don't have to write a novel. You can write short stories or poetry or, well, anything. I don't like following rules. And so NaNoWriMo didn't work for me, but I wanted something to do other than be sad. For me, that thing is usually writing. I talked to my writing group, one of whom was thinking about participating in Camp NaNoWriMo. And they were like, go for it. It's not like there's, you know, a consequence if you don't meet your goal. So in April of this year, as she grieved her father's death, Annika signed up and set a goal of 10,000 words. And she got to work. I really allowed myself to do nothing but write. Like, I fed my children fairly. <laughs> You know, I fed myself, like, really barely. <laughs> and otherwise, all I did was work on this novel, be sad, and my part-time day job. For that month, she lived in a web browser with two tabs open, one for her manuscript and one for her Camp Nano word count. It was just the right amount of structure, and it helped her give herself permission to do what she needed to do during a really difficult time of life. I think for a lot of people, NaNoWriMo provides the opportunity to say, I'm doing this thing for myself. That's useful whether you're grieving or just dealing with the stresses and pressures of everyday life. It gives them an external goal so that it's not just a thing they want to do someday. It's a thing that they have to do right now. Writing a novel is the kind of thing that, if you've never done it before, it can be hard to imagine ever doing it. But people want to do it, and NaNoWriMo helps them turn that dream into a practice. People are just trying to get words on a page and get a start. If you're not forcing yourself to get words on the page, then you really have nothing to work with at all. There's an alchemy to the NaNoWriMo process. You take an ambitious goal, add in a sense of urgency, a supportive community, and fun to use tracking and motivational tools. And whether you want to win or not, you end up with not just words on a previously blank page, but maybe a new understanding of yourself. Just the intention to be creative for a month is a huge achievement because most of our lives we end up doing what we should do, you know, and our lives revolve around our to-do lists 
And usually those two lists don't include creativity, or creativity falls lower and lower on the list until it's barely there at all. And so NaNoWriMo is this opportunity to be creative and highly creative uh, for one month of the year. No one loses because you've not only decided to immerse yourself in creativity, but you're developing those people who are writing five or 10,000 words a month. They're developing the skills, the time management skills, the knowledge of what it takes. And you get the knowledge that you can keep doing it because you've already done it. From that angle, everybody wins. I think that there's this perception that people are doing it because they think they will actually have a finished novel at the end of it. And what people are actually doing is looking for a way to have anything finished, just words on paper, you know. And it's as simple and as complicated as that. This episode was written and produced by me, Rebecca Shinsky. Sound editing and design by Kyle O'Neill. Special thanks to Grant Faulkner of NaNoWriMo. Check out their newly upgraded website at nanowrimo.org for year-round writing support and to learn about NaNoWriMo's ongoing work in schools. You can also pick up Brave the Page, their new creativity handbook for kids, wherever books are sold. Karina Jan Glazer's books, which begin with the Vanderbeekers of 141st Street, are available wherever books are sold, and you can find her online at karinaglazer.com and as one of the hosts of Book Rise Kidlit podcast, Kidlit These Days. Thanks also to our very own Annika Baranti-Klein, who corrects our spelling, manages our wacky style guide, and has taught us all how to correctly use hyphens. And to Jasmine Guillory. Her latest novel, Royal Holiday, is out today, and her website is jasminegillery.com. For more book nerd goodness, you can follow Annotated on Instagram, Annotated FM. And if you like the show, we'd love it if you tell a friend, shout it on social media, or leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. And until next time, read something great.